0: One and we are recording with Mr. John O'Loughlin on Tuesday, January 24th, 2023, at 4:10 p.m. Eastern Time for episode. I think it's 1068. I might have lied to you and told you it was 1070. I can't be trusted. I thought I was, I think I got it wrong, but um, yeah. So uh, I'm still figuring out all the bugs of doing this live so you're uh, you're getting the baptism by fire with me but uh Mr. Lockland please introduce yourself my friend.
1: Well hello I'm John Lockland also known as McDuff on my uh, YouTube channel uh McDuff lives and uh glad to be with you Tommy it's nice to meet you.
0: Thank you it's very nice to meet you too. Um so I guess what what got you into the entire I guess you know I got introduced to you by, you know, uh, George Webb, is what got you into just all things research? Just curious.
1: Well, it's kind of like, uh, you you know the story of uh, the Odyssey with Odysseus, uh, Mm -hmm. the great hero that goes to war, and then he has a son, and his son, his name is Telemachus, and Telemachus uh, is on a, a mission to find out what happened to his father, and I think that's probably the generation of this It's probably something as natural and human as, as long as there's been, um, uh, men with sons. Mm-hmm. And so I've, uh, you know, all my life been wondering what, what really happened to my dad. We of course had uh, a basic uh, story, but as, uh, you know, as life unfolded, I finally got time to do a deep dive into it. And, uh, as a result of that, I was, I was able to write this book, my, my, uh, my book about my dad called "McDuff Lives."
0: McDuff lives, and your dad had a your dad had a relationship with Kennedy, if I'm correct.
1: Um, not directly, as far as I know. Um, it's possible that he knew Bobby Kennedy, but I, it's just possible. I I have no proof of of that. He, he the the connection would be more indirect in that when uh, President Kennedy decided to take the special operations uh, away from the CIA. Mm-hmm. He uh, created a office in the Pentagon that was called, that's called Saxa. And that office was um, given the responsibility of uh, running and overseeing and planning the uh, special operations, taking it away from the CIA. And in order to do that, uh, President Kennedy, Uh, asked his brother, Robert, to uh, assemble some uh, people that would be appropriate. And I don't know the details or even whether uh, my dad was directly recruited by Bobby Kennedy or whether uh, it was uh, more of a circuitous thing. But the idea was uh, to have uh, him be the uh, planner of special operations for all branches of the service and all intelligence agencies under President Kennedy's new uh, regime.
0: And that was, that was, you know, everyone obviously knows the quote, uh, shatter it into a thousand pieces or splinter it into a thousand pieces and scatter it into the wind. But the real, I guess, oomph behind that was taking away the ability to do special operations. That's what, that was, I guess, what, what made it separate from other intelligence gathering agencies was that it had the power to enact, it had teeth, it had boots on the ground. And that kind of seemed, that's the, uh, they took away the bone from the dog, and that is that was no bueno in the CIA's eyes. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely, yeah. That's very correct. And, you know, you just imagine the, the enmity of an Alan Dulles with all the power that he had and getting fired by President Kennedy. Um, you don't think he's going to stand for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a good book. I think it's called Brothers. It might be called Brothers. I think it's by Stephen Kinzer. I could be butchering that, but it's about the dullest brothers and just their entire background. And the entire book is just painting the picture of these two behemoths in the intelligence, finance, international business world. And then Pretty Boy Kennedy comes along and just goes, Now nah, get out of here. And after reading that, like I had always known the dullest brothers, but after reading that book, I read it, I think probably around this time last year. After reading that book, you get a much better a sense of foreboding where you're like, oh, oh, that'd be like if someone had never heard of the sport of football. And I wrote a story about me picking up a football and I went to the park and played with a guy named Tom Brady. You'd be like, oh, who's this Tom Brady cat versus learning everything about Tom Brady. And then the story ends with me picking up a football and saying, I'm going to go play against Tom Brady. You would kind of have this feeling of, oh, shit, you're about to get your your lunch taken from you. (laughs) That kind of also seems to be the case with, with the Dulles brothers. Um, for the listeners and for myself, could you maybe describe uh, in your research what you believe has uh, happened to your father or did happen to your father?
1: Well, it's a bit of a long story. Uh, let me first chime in on your, on your reference to a, a very good book is an introduction to the Dulles brothers. It's, it's called the Dulles brothers and their secret world war. So don't don't forget the subtitle because they're waging war uh, yeah. they're using us they're using our country our taxpayer dollars our our facilities our army our navy our air force they're using us to wage their war and uh that is the difficulty that we're facing right now is the the use of private um interests interests uh to wage war and take the ability of the American people uh, to say no. Just take it away. Um, There's not much we can do to stop them right now. And this is all the result of what happened back then when you had uh, John Foster Dulles at State and Alan uh, Dulles at uh, CIA during the whole Eisenhower administration. So uh, what happens to my father, of course, it's still a bit of a mystery to me. Um, I really do think it's it's better, you know told in the book than for me to try to summarize. but basically, my father was a uh, a man who once Alan Dulles encountered him, his days were numbered. okay because he was the man that Kennedy chose to smash the CIA. That's exactly what you when you started the show, you hit the nail right on the head. That that was the key to Alan Dulles's power was the ability to use special operations to his benefit, but and to the benefit of his clients, because of course he's a he's a an agent for the great wealth, the the oil companies, the big insurance companies, the uh, all of the European um, money. He has the interest of all of the most wealthy people in Wall Street who he's looking out for. He does not care a bit about the average American or whether we go to war or not. It's just a question of how does he preserve and increase the wealth of his clients. And that is... uh, the. This, a sign of the times, the, the the sadness that we're encountering right now is that everything is reduced to dollars and cents, and every everybody's life is is you know they're even shortening the life expectancy. Uh, uh, our health is being uh, taken away from us, and everything that my father fought for in World War II, everything that the Greatest Generation stands for, is now being swept away in the interest of this uh, behemoth of financial and old uh, elite wealth. So my dad was uh, was there at Saxa from 1962, which was right after the Bay of Pigs. And then from uh, 1962 until he died in 1971. He died on June the 6th, 1971 of uh, cancer and uh, it's what I would I would refer to as fast cancer, uh, the circumstances of it are highly suspicious. The details are complex, and it would be hard for me to go into them all right now. And uh, and the proof is not completely there yet, so I'm still uh, patching up some holes as a, as we study, um, you know, the medicine, the things that were going on back then. Because I think uh, the other aspect of it that's important for uh, folks to know is that. Um immediately when he was accepted to the job at Sacha, um he became infected with hepatitis. And the circumstances of it are so circum- so suspicious that I've started looking into the uh, virus vaccine game, just as we do today with COVID. Well, look at look at hepatitis B has something that they were working on in a similar way back in the 50s and early 60s. Uh, I've had a great benefit from a man named Nick at on Twitter. He doesn't give his full name, but it's Nick from Twitter, if you're familiar with him. He's been very good to help me understand that aspect of it. So while I, th- I think it's more than possible, I think it's likely that my father was uh, given uh, a dose of this uh, hepatitis B uh, in order to weaken him, possibly to kill him, as he was placed in that office uh, to take over the responsibilities of special operations uh, for uh, all the branches of government. Um, so anyway, uh, he lasted until 1971. Uh, his death, being on June the sixth, is a little bit uh, eerie and uh, no resonates. Yeah, and resonates with with a lot of 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 other kind of funny coincidences that you find. In, in in his life and in other people's lives. So um, th- it just requires me to delve into all kinds of different things from the, the uh, virus vaccine uh, and bioweapons uh, scenario uh, to the politics of it and uh, what is what was going on in the Pentagon in, as well as what was going on in the CIA, because uh, just because. They're against the CIA. Doesn't mean that they're good guys either. You also have uh, (laughs) lots of lots of people with different competing interests, and and so yeah, I've dug I've dug into it now for about the past uh, four or five years, uh, doing one show a a day generally, and uh, really really feeling good about it. I think I think we're making a lot of progress.
0: I'll make sure to put the uh, link to the uh, to your book in the description and uh, I'll grab it and read it. And I would love to have you on specifically to talk about that. I'll I'll do my I'll do my due diligence. That's a that is one thing I pride myself on is if I get an author, I will read their book and I will do an episode with them about that. But yeah, it kind of kind of kind of a damned position though, right? Kennedy, uh, he's 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 writing the check of I'm going to shatter the I'm going to splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces but he's making your dad cash it. And like, that's between a rock and a hard place, right? You're doing the, the, obviously they whacked Kennedy, but I mean, they're going to take out anyone involved with removing the teeth. And that's what special operations was. It's under the, it's hidden behind the, the veil of the, the flag of national security of classifications of need to know. And like all things humans do, it's immediately, infected and tampered by the, the the least among us who they take this this dark shadowy intelligence agent I mean right there is a month after Kennedy was whacked that Truman came out and said I think a month to the day so December 22nd 1963 yes December 22nd 1963 Truman came out and said I never thought the CIA would have been used for cloak and dagger operations during peacetime I think we need to reevaluate it and that's the guy that brought it to life Instantly, this thing is just immediately co-opted by financial interest, not just the military industrial complex, but I mean, like you said, oil, pharma, insurance, finance, media, they take this thing that is, it's like it's like an invisibility cloak. If you had this invisibility cloak to go fight crime, how long until someone uses it to start robbing banks? And it's like, yeah, it's, it's it's not to be pessimistic, but it's almost something you need to factor in with all, with man, capital M is that any power, it's the double-edged sword. It's okay, you can use it to put uh, to put butter on bread. You can also use it to kill your mom. We do have a tendency throughout human history to take anything with great power, with any sort of uh, information asymmetry, and immediately use it <laughs> to our own ends, often through nefarious processes. And that's immediate, and that's that's what just fifteen years after its inception, fifteen or sixteen years after its inception. Yeah, no, uh, CIA was forty-seven, so sixteen years after its inception, and it's already being used for these things. And now your dad's tasked with taking away the, uh, the 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 endless uh, the endless gift.
1: Yeah, that puts it very well. And then you know to <laughs> continue from there, the 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 war. Between these two factions, the CIA supporters and the CIA uh, uh, opponents, is expressed in this book by uh, Tug- Douglas Valentine.
0: I've which, interviewed I've interviewed Mr. Valentine several times.
1: Well, then, you know he's one of the great experts on the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. on the Enix drug program. trade, on yeah. on uh, so, so many prime. aspects of. Of of what happened during my dad's uh, life, and it so happens that in 1980, I think it was, he published this book called Tdy, and it was a story uh, based upon uh, true events in which he changed the names and just used cover names for people he didn't know. Sure, and he and the character that well that sends out this mission, the mission is to photograph and videotape a drug deal that they knew was going to happen between the CIA and the Vang Pao uh, Drug Army in Laos in 1967. So the secret mission is going out under Pentagon auspices to catch the CIA. This is a mission, a mission which has never been talked about. It's in this book, and the mission the person that sends them out on the mission, he calls Mr. Hammer. Why does he call him Mr. Hammer? Because Mr. Hammer, the guy that 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 uh, Doug Valentine uh, was describing, was a big bull-necked man wearing what he called a gabardine, which is a, uh, one of those Oliver drab suits that military people will wear when they're <laughs> gotcha. a civil civilian. Yeah, like, like, and, like an, yeah, like an Isaac And just American a really leader. really tough talking guy. Well. You know, my dad had a bull <laughs> neck. My dad was a very tough guy. I mean, he was he was tough. You know, he was uh, almost six four and and, and two forty, and and was a, a football player at Harvard. Oh, good so, lord! <laughs> so he he was a monster. You know, yeah. I mean, compared to the most people of of his generation, he was he was absolutely huge. Yeah. And anyway, so my dad is. Doug and I talked about it. We we talked about it over and over. It's absolutely certain that my dad was Mr. Mr. Hammer. So he's the guy that not only, you know, after Kennedy's killed, keeps the mission alive. You know, he obviously has allies that I don't know who they are, but he's there in Saxo working with uh, uh, generals and, and colonels. And they set that mission out. Now, the mission... If it had succeeded world history would be different yeah so you know the answer uh, the end of the book is not going to be a happy ending but the the story that the fact that it happened at all is and and then the fact that what 30 40 years later the author doug valentine and i have gotten together on a different entirely different reason and we at the same time in the middle of one of my videos we realize that's my dad in, in <laughs> Doug's book. We both realized it at the same time.
0: That's wild. I've yeah, I've I've had the I've had the the honor of interviewing him. He's been on here I think twice to cover his book, uh, Phoenix Program, the CIA's use of uh, of of terror in Vietnam, and then I think the CIA's organized crime. So he d- he doesn't hold back yeah. on uh, on his uh, on his on his accusations, and they're factual. Well, they're, the they're, they're factual.
1: And I have read the entire Phoenix program on my show, uh, as I have The Brothers uh, by Stephen Kinzer, by the way. And while we're on the subject uh, on Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern time on my show, I'm currently reading uh, A Law Unto Itself, The Untold Story of the Law Firm of Sullivan and Cromwell, which is all about how Alan Dulles and John Foster Dulles first came up. Yeah, how they how they got started through the the law firm on Wall Street that ended up representing you know from everybody from the Rockefellers to the Nazis.
0: Yeah, they they they're another one of their favorite uh, Brown Brothers Harriman. They love the they love the big they love the big movie. I, I always have this imagery of um sorry to interrupt of uh of like moving targets at like a shooting range, and they're just kind of you know they're on, they're on like running tracks and they're going left and right. And they have mm-hmm. them going about 10, 20, 30, 50 meters. I always have this imagery of us, the observer, the civilian, just watching. And these are the moving targets are the the front, the fronts. It's a uh, Brown Brothers Harriman. It, it's Cromwell. It, it's the CIA. It's the the World Bank. And then you have people jumping behind the, the targets. And that would be your Dolls brothers. And it's you never know. You're just watching. You're like, what are you talking about? It's just moving targets. And it's. They love to move behind these these secretive, you know, their their best case scenario is CIA. You just cloak yourself in the in the flag and say it's classified. But if you can't do that, you move behind these other front companies. And that's how they and if you've never broached any of these topics, it seems fantastical. But that's exactly what they did is they just dance behind these, dare I say, shell companies, but at the very least, just just facades. So, sorry, sorry to interrupt about that. But that's what they that's what they do.
1: Well, that's right, and and they have this philosophy that uh, that they are the ones that should be in in charge because they're the smartest people, uh, they're the ones with the breeding, with the that elite education, and 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 plus they all belong to the same clubs, so you know, and then you can bring from there to clubs to go to Skull and Bones is not a big leap at all. So wow.
0: well, there so you have,
1: the, key. there you have the the. The enemy, as President Kennedy said so well in his, uh, uh, I think it was the American University speech, you know, he spoke about secret societies Mm -hmm. and how uh, the very word secrecy is repugnant. repugnant.
0: The very word secrecy is repugnant in an open and free society. Guerrillas by night instead of matching armies by day. Yeah. And it's been his Boston twang. Yeah,
1: not bad, not bad at all. Thank you,
0: thank you. Maybe I have. If the podcast doesn't work out, maybe I'll go into in person. I'm, I'm, I'm also a white Irish guy. I could maybe pull off a can. I'm Thomas Patrick Kerrigan. I could maybe pull off a a John Fitzgerald Kennedy. But that is a I had never even heard of that operation. The fact that that happened at all is mind boggling. That the that the Pentagon went out to almost put the CIA in a sting. I mean, that's, that's what it was. That's, that's Shakespearean it is it, it is it is the truly like the like the, the game of thrones it is the highest level they're not a monolith they really are out of and like you said it also doesn't mean that they're the good guys they just two de- if two demons are vying for the throne of hell <laughs> just because one demon's trying to unseat the other doesn't mean they're on your side they're still demons
1: well that of course you know some demons are better than other demons sure and and uh, that you know always reminds me of 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 that uh, Rye joke in in Master and Commander the sto- the Patrick O'Brien movie where the mm-hmm. uh, Captain Jack Aubrey you know is is telling he says to Stephen you know the 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 non sailor guy he's got two the, the two little uh, weevils out of his fall out of his out of his uh, biscuit he taps them on and because they fall out and he's now Stephen which which of these weevils would you would you choose if you had to choose. And he goes over it over and over again. He says, "Well, I'll take the 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 longer one." It looks like he's probably stronger and could probably, you know, manage better. And so I'll I'll pick the long one. And, Steve, and uh, Captain Aubrey says, it "Wrong." He says, "In the British Navy, one must always choose the lesser of two weevils." <laughs> and and that's what I think we're in. We're in the British Navy now because we don't get choices. We you can choose this weevil or that weevil, but you can't choose good. That's not one of the choices, and 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 so I have to say, right now in politics in America, it's it's not a, it's not about who you like; it's about who you like, who you least are afraid of, who you least are are concerned about, and and that was the case uh, all along. That um, if you if you had uh, to me, the the military side of it generally is the patriotic side. And the CIA side of it is the anti-sovereignty side, the side that says, I don't, we're going to break down the national boundaries. Uh, Fletcher Prouty's work on that, the secret team, uh, is essential as far as how that all got, was going. It started right after World War II. And this part of our uh, intelligence, military intelligence complex, is actively working against sovereignty. You you notice it, for instance, NATO taking over the naval base in Norfolk. Mm-hmm. Um, our our military becoming part of a bigger thing, this NATO thing, which doesn't respond to U.S. Congress, doesn't uh, follow the Constitution uh, necessarily, and uh, is becoming you know the the use the the army for this what I would call openly fascist uh, totalitarian state that they're trying to impose so that's that's the choice. I would much rather have the the people that believe in the Constitution believe in the Declaration of Independence, and we can acknowledge that a lot of them in the past and maybe even at the present were racist. That's part of the culture we a lot of people grew up in a time when it was natural to be concerned about another race that, that you, that your grandparents, your parents would tell you, you know, don't, don't go out with those uh, people of that other color there. You, 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 will you'll, you'll, you'll uh, have a terrible life. You'll be poor. Uh-huh. Um, your children will never get, uh, adv- go anywhere. And, uh, you know, for other th- reasons, because they were ignorant. The fact is that up until, more recent times, most people were afraid of the stranger, were afraid of of people that didn't look like them. And it, it was easy for the financial and the other powers to control people by encouraging that fear, encouraging that separation. And then, of course, that, that then grows into the Hegelian dialectic. And here we are in this big time with, uh, you know, the right... And the left and the right and the left and back and forth and back and forth. And as you say, the the people behind the curtain are the ones that are manipulating, uh, shading it this way or that way to benefit their own interests.
0: It does seem like, though, <clears throat> to, I guess, shift gears to an optimistic viewpoint or vantage point is that as we do progress forward in society, right, and because it's, you know, you, you can't stick your head in it. Like you said, you can't stick your head in the sand and pretend that, like, the vast majority of this, the history of this country wasn't racist. It just was. And to deny that is 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 downright stupid. That being said, as we do, even just turn the clocks back, what, 100? When, when, when did they, when could women vote? Was it 1919? And, or was it afterwards? I mean, Let's just say 105 years. I mean, even like women couldn't vote. It's, and that's 40, 50 years before the civil rights movement. As we progress forward, though, societally, it seems like, and again, this is an optimistic viewpoint, perhaps naive, it seems like we're removing some of the tools of the divide and conquer, the thesis, antithesis, synthesis, Hegelian dialectic, problem reaction, solution they thrive off division and conquer as we move forward. And when we don't have segregation or we have less institutionalized racism, is that grounds to be optimistic that we're almost like Kennedy? We're kind of pulling out the teeth of the beast or are they just growing new ones as we take away old ones? Not that you have the answer, but
1: well, If you compare us to 100 years ago, it's hard not to be optimistic. Sure. And look, as you said, you know, and even in just if you look in the case of women, co cool, case, you know, half of the country, right? And yeah. I, was, I just read this this, uh, this morning on, on my show, uh, uh, or yesterday, uh, in A uh, Law Unto Itself, that uh, at Sullivan and Cromwell in 1920, same time you're talking about, they took the bold step of hiring some female associates, and these are young women lawyers that went to work at Solomon Cromwell with the knowledge and the certainty that they would never, ever, ever be partners. Hmm. Now, can you imagine starting out a legal career at the most prestigious law firm in the, in the country, and being, and knowing, you know, just because you're a woman that you will never make partner, and that to me is just horrible. But that's the way it was, because everything was sexist and everything is becoming less sexist and, you know, perhaps in some cases going too far in the other direction. But but I'm very hopeful that in terms of of many of these old ancient prejudices that they will follow away. Look, look what happens to people that that hold on to those prejudices. They get up. They get into wars. Um, Look at Ukraine. Um, Ukraine, to me, is is. Uh, an extension of World War II. Uh, hmm. you, you have one side uh, kind of favoring the Western European and the, the NATO and the, kind of a more Catholic religion, and then the, the other side is a, favors the Soviet Union, uh, the more orthodox religion, and uh, or perhaps just everybody's pretty much uh, neutral in, in many cases. But the, the division between the people of Ukraine is better than any gold mine mm-hmm. to the financial powers behind this war, and as long as they keep that war going, man, they're going to keep on making money. And uh, you know, and the the people that believe in hate, you know, the ones that just hate the Russians because your father and your grandfather and your great grandfather hated the Russians, and because of what they did, and I'm sure they did it. And then the people that hate the uh, Ukrainians and call them Nazis and all that, and they're they're absolutely right too, because the Nazis really were, and the uh, Ukrainians, you know, a lot of them were uh, collaborationists, doing some of the most horrible things. But that's eighty years ago. Um, how long will it take for people to uh, realize that that hate gets turned into death? that hate gets turned into uh, just exploitation. And when this is over, who's going to own it? BlackRock, Vanguard, the great financial powers are, are buying the whole place up, that beautiful black uh, soil, uh, the bread get basket of, of the that world. Uh, and and uh, and uh, as other people have pointed out, it's also the crossroads of an awful lot of important uh, transportation and oil pipelines. So uh, that's central area there is exactly what the hegelian dialectic does for the for the empire it just allows them to uh, let these two fight it out and then come in and pick up the pieces the phoenix rises
0: we weren't six months out of kabul before we've got a new thing i mean Mm -hmm. it, it seems to give and who knows maybe i'm just generalizing everyone but it seems to give no one pause that like the permanent war economy it just, we drop it for six months. I mean, we were, what, Cold War was over. We went a decade. And we, well, actually, we went a couple of years and we went over to uh, Iraq. And then we waited for about eight more years and went back to Afghanistan and Iraq. We are, were withdrawn from Kabul. We don't even last a year. What was that, when was that, August? So August of uh, 2022. So what, September, October, November, December, or of 2021. So, oh, yeah august september october november december january february we go seven months and then we're back in ukraine the machine keeps rolling forward and uh, i always think about uh the uh, historian um dan carlin he's got the series hardcore history absolutely fantastic he does these pod he does these like series of podcasts that take him like a year to produce five episodes but they're better than any audiobook you'll ever listen to and he does He's done like you know Genghis Khan. he's done Alexander the Great. The only one I've listened to is um is uh blueprints for Armageddon. It's about World War One, and it's like six parts, four hours each, most incredible better than any audiobook I've ever listened to it is it is the most riveting thing you can listen to and uh but he had this quote about how he was he was brought in to talk at like the Pentagon or something in like o three for the invasion of Iraq. I guess they wanted like historical, I guess, guidance. And he later said he thinks it was just so they they could check the box and say, look, we brought in a historian. They were going to do whatever. But the point of all this is he goes the first half of the meeting is that they're talking about, you know, what we're going. at this point. It's it's on the news. Everyone it's not like it's classified. We're going to go into Iraq. We're going to take Saddam. And he goes, but then the second 50, 50 percent of the meeting you saw the military-industrial complex. It then came down to where are we getting the armor, where are we getting the tanks, where are we getting the fuel lines? How are we going to provide these things to our allies and how are we going to uh, provide the replacement parts and you know, make sure not to give them everything because then they won't need us? And you saw the real iron, the actual meat on the bones of the military-industrial complex. And I've been thinking about that quote now when we see kind of all the propaganda, you know, Russia's evil, Slava-Ukraine, or Ukraine's Nazis, Russia's, you know, NATO, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then you just see that, you just see the moment where the kaleidoscope aligns and the image just condenses for just a second, and it's just a headline. Zelensky meets with BlackRock about reconstruction of Ukraine. There it is. You see the thing, and then it's just as gone. Then we're right back into the news. Kanye West said this. But you, every once in a while, you see like you just see like the black cloven foot of the military industrial. It sneaks out from behind the curtain, and very quickly they pull it back in. But you can just see it. There's just these moments of where it just crystallizes, and it's. I don't know. I don't. Is is there anything other to do than? I mean, is the answer as easy as just stop hating one another? Because you're right, someone's always going to take advantage of that hate. Someone's always going to no different than than a windmill capturing wind or a solar panel capturing the sun. Someone's always going to use that that waste heat energy of hate. Someone's going to use that no different than a surfer catching a wave or a geothermal power plant capturing the heat of tectonic plates shifting. Whenever there is hate, which and if they're and if they can. You know, stoke it and make it bigger they'll do so there is something to capture no different than than the Titanic going across the ocean because people are shoveling coals into the engines someone will always take advantage of that and so long as there's someone with a slightly different skin color or just a moderately different faction of Christianity somebody's licking their chops and I don't know I don't really know where I'm going
1: with this whole rant well, you do hear uh, people, European uh, politicians, say, speaking about Slavs as different from us. Yeah. You know, they're different from us. You know, you Slavs have different mentality. You know, well, yeah. do you remember? Uh, used to be the Germans. Germans have different mentality. They 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 have this war thing inside them. They can't they can't not be at war. You know, that was the German thing. Now we've got the, the Slav thing, and it's all. Psychological warfare against people, against everybody—not not just against the enemy. It's like like things like Radio Free Europe, uh, Radio Liberty—they're broadcasting a bunch of Amer- pro-American propaganda at the Eastern countries. But what they're really doing is is reinforcing the the Western uh, countries' population as being against. You know, the Eastern people, you know, the commies, they they have uh, shadows that walk around behind them and and keep track of them. And it's totalitarian nightmare and you can't get a decent loaf of bread. And that um, that's part of it, too, the propaganda on us to keep us thinking of them as different and dangerous. And we don't want to go there. But what I what I am really concerned about now, of course, is. Does this military industrial complex have any, is there any way to stop it or are they going to push this into a big war with Russia? Uh, they, they're, they're, they sir, sure are sounding like they have no, no intention of stopping. Uh, you know, they're going to Moscow just like Napoleon and Hitler, you know, let's on to Moscow. seems to be the, the, the the, the cry from our leadership and the europeans are being pulled into it they're sending more and more tanks and who knows uh who knows whether this is going to um get big or not but i don't see it stopping that's that's the problem what's your opinion do do you think we're heading towards a a a major conflict with russia right now
0: again like to quote dan carlin he he talks about and he's not someone i normally quote i don't know why i'm bringing him up now but there is, this thi- there is this part of uh, Blueprints for Armageddon where he's talking about these generals. He's actually talking about Kennedy. And Kennedy is talking about World War I. Mm-hmm. And he's quoting how these generals afterwards were talking to each other. I, they might have been from different sides. I don't know, like Germany and Britain. And they're having a glass of whatever with it, drinking whiskey, smoking cigars. And one of them asks the other, how did it all begin? And the other looks at him and says, ah, if only we knew, because if you know, the more you learn about World War One, the more you learn it, it was just this system of safeguards. And there's this great quote, and it's like no one was actually fight- there to fight. Everyone was fighting because someone else was fighting. And it's, everyone was kind of, well, I'm just going because he's going. And it was just all these Bismarckian just treaties just going together. And the machine work started. And then Kennedy says, and he's talking about it during the Cuban Missile Crisis. He goes, I don't want some like something along the lines of I don't want some like survivors to be in a nuclear bunker 50 years from now and in, in an irradiated earth, looking back and going, how did all start? And the other goes, if only we knew. And so when I look at where we are now, I, f- I I see I see the same naivety. You'll see headlines like there couldn't be another world war. The world's too interlocked. That is like verbatim what headlines were running in 1914. We are too civilized of a of a society. We are too mechanized. They had Model Ts and biplanes. We now think that we are too mechanized and too interdependent to go into a world war. So, whereas my gut says, no, cooler heads will prevail. It, you're kind of hitting the nail on the head. Like, all right. Do you see how it's going to slow down? No part of me rationally sees the slowing down. It's, It's like an 18-wheeler coming down an icy hill. And we're like, well, it could apply the brakes at any time. And it's like, I don't know if the brakes are going to work, man. (laughs) Like, we have this time, this distance between us and the 18-wheeler. We have this illusion that the brakes might work. But what happens when they hit the brakes and nothing happens? Then you just have a few fleeting moments of terror. So, again, I'm 32 with a biology degree, so I'm not sure how, you know, weighted my geopolitical opinion should be but on one hand i don't see us because it just it seems like a suicide pact for the planet of just thermonuclear holocaust on the other hand i don't see it stopping i just think it's gonna we have an unstoppable object with an immovable or an immovable object and an unstoppable force the russians aren't gonna back down from what they perceive to be a threat of their sovereignty and encroachment of nato and a bunch of nazis and we're not going to back down from backing the good guys against the evil russian bear and we're kind of powerless and then we don't even know what are the real machinations behind it in a hundred years there'll be some great books written about it like you and i are talking about the Dulles brothers and you know cromwell and brown brothers harriman and we don't even know who we think we know. We think it's the World Economic Forum. We think it's Davos. We think it's Vanguard. We think it's BlackRock. But that's what we know. So if you and I know it, then that's not even what the real thing is. There's something behind it. So I don't know. I. I in short, my answer is I don't see it happening, but I can't rationally see why anything else would happen. So I think we're going towards it. I... I think it's the I think it's like an inability of my mind to comprehend what we're going towards, because if you walk it out, you'd say, yeah, so we're heading towards thermonuclear holocaust. It's just it's dividing by zero. The screen just turns into static. It's like, wait, what? You know, you can kind of fathom after 9-11, we're going to war. You have an image of your mind. We're going to invade and there's tanks and explosions and soldiers coming home in coffins like you can kind of conceptualize it as evil as it is. you, You can understand it. But there's this weird like event horizon. We're going over a waterfall and it's yeah, we're just heading towards thermonuclear holocaust. What? think like, that's that's Old Testament, New Testament. It's a no pun intended, but it is, it is just a blinding white light of. I guess I can't wrap my head around it because I imagine I won't be here to grasp it. I'll be I'll be vaporized. So I don't know. <laughs>
1: It's it's the toughest uh, subject that we have to face, but we have to face it. And I I would just, you know, give you my feedback or opinion as to what you just said. Uh, First of all, I think you're right that it is going to keep going. I disagree that it's going to go thermonuclear. I I don't think that's going to happen. I hope hope you're right. No, I I don't think so. I I think that way um, it it just can keep on going. You know, Hmm. thermonuclear is it's over.
0: Game's yeah. over.
1: When, when, when the game's over. Okay, they don't want the game to be over. No. So, so, but this is something that they can scare everybody with, you know. So it keeps us all like, oh yeah, well we better send another hundred tanks over to Ukraine, or else we'll, you oh, know, get blown up by them, by the, by the okay. Ruskies, right? You know, yeah. um, it, it, it's crazy logic, but it 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 works because people are easily scared, and and the the thermonuclear um, mutual. Assured destruction doctrine has been as much of a psychological uh, warfare against the American people as as anything else, uh, because there wasn't really that great of a danger of us getting out uh, outbuilt in missile technology, or we always had more than the Russians did. We the CIA lied about it uh, for decades in order to get us oriented towards y- you towards uh, nuclear. Uh, weapons and spend all of our defense dollars in that direction, as opposed to real defense, like paying soldiers, for instance. Uh, so that you know was the fifties. That was the Eisenhower plan. Was the the next world war is going to be uh, a a a non traditional war? It's and that's what we're in now. We're in non traditional warfare. the The goal is uh, is complete domination of the earth this is this has been the goal all along dawn of time all all empires have the the goal of the complete domination of the earth and you know you you look look at people like the portraits of the popes the in the middle ages and they're holding on to a little globe
0: yeah you know a a gold globe with the cross on it
1: right right they're saying you know this is mine you know (laughs) you got everything it's all mine and 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 they you know religiously believe it but more importantly, the the old families believe it, the old yeah, Italian the old fundi, bloodlines. the old German bloodlines, the old uh, uh, the ones that ended up in England. And and all of these people, they believe that they're entitled as well, uh, entitled to rule. And that the, the idea of democracy is one of the worst ideas that's ever been thought up, that they are completely convinced that people will just screw everything up if you turn it over to them. Um, kind of a. Uh, of a of an elitist attitude that they it seems to be inalienable. They can't get rid of it. They they they're always going to going to think of them themselves as being wiser, smarter, and more clever than anybody else, and entitled to to exploit because of that. And you know everything becomes a a matter of power and who can who can grab the most. And that's the imperial way. And that's why the United States. Was uh, founded, is my opinion, is to fight against that, to give uh, everybody a chance to actually uh, be free, be free of that totalitarian state that owns your body. You know, that, that's the thing that people forget. You know, in 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 a a totalitarian, totalitarian state like Mussolini's Italy or or Russia or uh, or uh, you know Nazi Germany or a, a lot of places the state owns you, you know, your, your body is not yours. You you can't say no to whatever they want to do in, in those uh, circumstances. And, and, and now we've got a taste of that here with our, uh, our laws surrounding um, pandemics and epidemics that have been mm-hmm. foist upon us in the last 15 to 20 years. These new laws are, are substantial differences from ancient, uh, from, from traditional American, um, Uh, medical and uh, public health policy and uh, turning all this over to a a huge institution like the Department of Health Homeland Security is uh, is completely against the principles of the founding fathers that, that would have put health primarily in your hands. Secondarily, in your town or country or, or or community's hands, in case of of hearing of contagious uh, disease or epidemics, that uh, you know the town crier, the town marshal, or the sheriff or the uh, county judge or somebody could say, um, "We're not going to let you uh, leave your house until two weeks have gone by because you're sick," and that kind of local control. Uh, was the way it was for the first 50, 60 years until the Civil War. And in in the late 19th century, the big institutions finally uh, got the Supreme Court on their side and started making everything uh, a huge federal uh, law and taking away local control. So now we've lost our local control over our own health. Um, and, and that is, I think, one of the biggest problems we have right now. I think it's uh, completely unconstitutional. And we need to get uh, some some laws passed that restore uh, bodily integrity to to each of us.
0: And the the defenders of the of these of this overstepping of uh, federal power will always say, "Well, it's an extraordinary circumstance." <clears throat> yeah, the people perpetuating this aren't stupid. They might be evil, but they're not stupid. Yeah, it's always going to be for your health. It's always going to be in your they're never going to come out and say, well, hey, we're just going to do dragnet surveillance on all three hundred and fifty million of y'all. They're, they're going to pass the bill when the when the rubble is still smoldering in lower Manhattan. It's not a coincidence, right? The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're in, you're not having control over your body and needing mandates and uh, and digital IDs to access you know workplaces and sports venues and concerts. That's not by mistake that it's in the wake of a severely deadly disease. Like, there's a reason for that because back to what you said about thermonuclear war, they don't want to. I always say this they want to run the table, they don't want to flip the table. They don't want to, they want to run the casino, but they don't want to burn it down because then, then the game's over. They want to, they still want to play the game. They still like yachts, they still like private planes, they still like, you know, high end call girls, but they will use it as a threat. And as, as, you know, more people, I would imagine, get get hit to the idea that they're never going to let it go thermonuclear, then they have to develop other teeth to fight you. And it's going to, it's pandemics. It's, it's your old, it's almost like a sequel. It's almost bad Hollywood writing. We're just back to Nazis versus Russians. There's no innovation. It's just, we're really just doing a throwback to world war two with this, but they're going to keep beating those drums. And I imagine the next thing will be some form of cyber nine 11 or cyber Pearl Harbor. That'll be the next way to really, you know, uh, clamp down on speech. But it will go, but really at its core, if you boiled it down, you know, like you can boil really like all of physics down to just equal and opposite reactions, right? It manifests itself in a trillion different ways from galaxies to atoms. But it's just it's at its core, it's that, right? Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. And matter can either be created or destroyed. And for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And time is primarily defined by the flow of heat. Like With that, you can kind of simulate the whole universe. At its core, everything they do just comes down to utilizing your hatred and or fear to then limit your very freedoms, all the while thinking you're receiving safety. And almost, it seems like that mindset and us hopefully one day evolving out of it will be on par with the opposable thumb or written language. Like it'll be a new, it'll be a new world. I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime. Probably not. But like, I can't imagine and it's almost that event horizon of like what would happen if we just stopped hating each other. And that's a very I get it, it's a very idyllic thing for me to say. I've never I've never gone hungry. I'm in a, a safe apartment in the United States. like. Yeah.
1: But well, if I may, if I may yes. you sound like Martin Luther King, um, you know, I have been to the mountaintop. I have seen the promised land. And uh, I think many of us are, that, that have the hope are, can hang on to that vision and go along with, with Martin, mm-hmm. you know, and we will walk hand in hand. And, and one day, uh, we'll, we will all be the same, uh, which we are. We just don't see it yet. The, the, the idea of uh, overcoming racism. Well, I think overcoming racism is part of the journey that we are still on. But I think it is a journey that we're headed in the right direction. And I think that, in terms of if I had to make a choice again, like my father did, about am I going to support the uh, the military that wants to uh, take this CIA down, or am I going to support the CIA that wants to take the country down? I have an easy, easy choice. yeah and 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 between sovereignty and the United Nations ruling my life, I'll take sovereignty every time. So that's where we're at. We we are now um, on the cusp of losing our sovereignty. We're very close to it. In many respects, we've we've lost it, but we haven't lost the power to get it back. Uh, we have the framework. We have the Constitution. We have the, the institutions that were built for us to preserve our freedom. And now it's our duty to, to get up, stand up. Um, don't uh, give up your don't give up your rights, uh, as Bob Marley says. Um, we all really are the same. It is one love. One love is there's only one love. You know, you can participate in it or you can exclude yourself on the basis of of hate or or whatever you want. But to think that world, the life, life is nothing but a bunch of digits of, you know, how, how much is this worth? You know, how much can I get for that? And how do I get this from somebody else? You know, how do I get my oil out from under their sand? which was, you know, the big question of, of the Bush uh, era. And now we're, uh, we're looking at nuclear power as the, the, the coming uh, great source of power. And, and honestly, that should be basically free uh, at this point. There's no point in, uh, in us continuing to buy things that should be free. Uh, hopefully, people are going to get self-sufficient in food, um, I, my family, we're trying to head in that direction. Um, people have got to to take up independence, and then we've got to reinvigorate re, uh, our communities that have been so devastated by COVID. We've got to reinvigorate our, our local clubs and the things that we do together and go out and ride bikes together or do, you know, go bowling, do something to do something with your neighbors. Um, have parties, get back together, because that is the glue that keeps us together it's not you know a bunch of laws or congressmen that keep us together it is our our faith and our belief in each other and and that doesn't have to mean that we hate other people uh Mm -hmm. we 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 can be self-sufficient and the idea of scarcity is no longer necessary for things to be scarce in this world uh we have technological solutions to just about everything and uh you know other than the willingness uh, people around the world w- would all have an opportunity to be content and happy, and and not feel like they, you know, not have to send their their little child down to the village pump to get some water that might very well have uh, malaria or dysentery in it, and and try to uh, survive for another day, which happens all over the world right now. And uh, these tragedies are not in in any way necessary. Uh, that is all a result of us still allowing these powerful elite forces to exercise uh, just inhuman control over the resources of this planet. I think there's a lot of hope that people are seeing it. Um, it, The more research I do, the more obvious it is to me, and hopefully the more confidently I I can share my message, which is there's no need for this. We don't need to have war. We don't need to have scarcity. There's plenty of room for everybody. This planet is huge. Very, very, very much of it has not been used at all. And, uh, you know, the idea of us paying taxes for somebody to go out and and, and build these uh, incredibly expensive war machines, to go out and take the last little bit of something from somebody, to some farmer in Ukraine, how how crazy are we going to let this go? Yeah. And we we're starting to see it. Uh, I, I think I think uh, you and I we see it. We're we, we agree that um, we're heading in the wrong direction. And but on the other hand, just shine a light on it. That's what a republic is, by the way. A republic is a public thing. It's something that has transparent government. These secret societies. These secret uh, operations, these uh, uh, secret teams, the uh, the plausible deniability, um, all of that smoke and mirrors crap is costing us trillions of dollars. And we don't need it at all. What we need, vitamin D, vitamin C, <laughs> eat your vegetables, get some exercise every day and uh help keep your community air water and and uh, environment clean and and healthy and take care of each other um that's my that's my message
0: it really is, it is kind of part of it is funny in that the elites of the like you said there's a there's like they're never willing to negotiate on the idea that the average person won't just mess it all up right. But, it's a total projection because they're the ones that want to run around in these cloak and dagger operations and assassinate and bomb and swindle. The vast, vast majority of people just kind of want to take it easy. (laughs) Like, you know, and there's like a, there's like a, there's like a 0.001% group of people who are just these like hyper, hyper aggressive psychopaths and they're projecting that on the rest of us. They're, they're like we we they're all going to mess it up and it's like the vast majority of people kind of do have just like a bob marley mindset sure there's some variation i understand that's a generalization but like it 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 doesn't have to be this way but i always think of that uh what was it was it was it charlie chaplin in the in the the speech or it's like the great dictator mm-hmm. whatever it what is a movie by i never watched it but i i have heard like the famous speech from it and there's one line from it. And he said like, uh, he was like, despair not, I'm going to butcher it, but he was like, despair not for the current, like the current era of Kings and fascism is, is but a, but a passing phase in the history of man. And when I first heard that in like 2012, I was like, that's so delusionally optimistic. And it's only been 11 years. And again, I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime, but I, do revisit that quote from time to time, and it's like, despair not, this is but a passing phase. And I think about it more in terms of like, yeah, knights in armor and like feudal fiefdoms, like that was a passing phase, as was the Bronze Age, as was the slave trade, as was on and on and on, as was, you know, kings with divine right, as was pharaohs as living gods. I think this is but a passing phase. Now it's been going on for a while, and it's probably going to keep going for a while. These phases do take a while, but i I think the, I think at the end of the line we will get to a, a much more perfect world. Based on not even my own optimism, but just based on history, it does. Despite all of the wars and the the death machines. It does keep getting better. I mean, like we said, just go back 100 years. Unrecognizable socially. Despite World War I and World War II and Korea and Vietnam and on and on and on. I, th- I think it will get better. So I am in agreement with, with o- O'Loughlin 2024. Vitamin D and clean air. That uh, I, I'll get behind your platform.
1: <laughs> yeah, and study the history you know yeah. um that's this is why i think you know i i have done this i've written this book and talk, and do this show about my dad because i think what happened to my dad is what's what they're doing to the country yeah and, and to use us and then uh throw us away is their plan it's yeah. what they've done throughout history and we do have a duty to recognize it and to stop it when we can and when we see it to say something to talk about it with people and that's why i think you know that's why i have my show and i i hope that's why uh so many hundreds of really good people are popping up now on on uh, various channels rumble and uh you know even though i still on youtube i uh have had my battles with youtube and wish i didn't have to be there but it's the biggest reach that i know of so i'm still there but i'm opening up uh, uh uh, rumble uh hopefully this week and uh also odyssey so mm-hmm. we're we're going to keep spreading the word and uh, archiving our material and uh you know networking with people as we as we always do i
0: mean yeah definitely i've I've been banned from youtube for like a year and a half now but yeah no get on rumble bit odyssey spotify cloud hub brighteon there's a there's a whole there's a whole swath of them you can get out there i i applaud your continuing fight on youtube they iced me they they didn't want anything to do with me i had no trial straight to the guillotine and uh (laughs) it's actually worked out better yeah you're
1: you're glad it's it's good that you got out early i mean i i had over 12 i had twelve thousand subscribers when they killed my channel (laughs) and uh you know so i'm now i'm still back to i'm back to 7500 on my on my biggest channel that's that's just what they do. I'd I'd easily have a hundred thousand if I hadn't yeah. got gotten uh, chopped up, uh, off uh, back about what was two and a half years ago now. Anyway, uh, things are looking good, and I'm feeling good about it. And uh, just keep keep spreading the word, Tommy. Uh, there is truth. There is honor. There is uh, reality. The Constitution is a real thing that we can rely upon. The the, the Declaration of Independence did state a, a new approach to life, a life based upon human rights, uh, on the idea that government is is uh, uh, has its legitimacy through the people and not through God and not through some king or divine right or imperial uh, succession. It is us, we the people, that have made the difference, and that is the difference that we have to keep on making and insist that uh, uh, we stay in charge. Mm-hmm. We run the the government we and and we have to have transparency in that government and restore the honor that we should have uh that our founding fathers you know they these this was a period of very serious you know dueling uh personal honor truth honesty that was very very important back then uh compare that to a a biden uh today and uh, i don't think that he uh stands uh stands the test we got we got to get back to those principles of honesty truth and uh and freedom and that's that's what our show is about thank you very much tommy
0: well thank you for coming on here and uh mr O'Laughlin uh 2024 he's 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 running for president and if he doesn't want to i'm going to submit his name against his will um but <laughs> thank you for coming on here sir i will uh, text you the episode when it's uh when the link is up and i would love to get you on here for uh for your book, McDuff lives.
1: Yeah. It's available on Amazon. Uh, McDuff lives the life and untimely death of Thomas F. O. Lachlan jr. And, uh, that'll be fun. I look forward to it.
0: I would love, I would love to. So we'll, I'll, I'll text you right after this and we'll get that in the books. And, uh, thank you so much, sir. I will put your, uh, YouTube channel. If you could text that to me, I'll put that in the description as well as the link to your book. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on here. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your patience with my, my rambling. And um, I look forward to the next one, man.
1: All right. All the best.
0: Thank you so much.